The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The hospitality industry is one of the fastest-growing industries in an improving economy. There are new career opportunities popping up in restaurants, hotels, and travel. Get the inside scoop today. Welcome to the Hospitality News Network with Stephen Nicole. Our hope is that you'll look at this industry in a whole new light. Now, here's your host, Stephen Nicole. Welcome to the Hospitality Industry News Network. It's Stephen Nicole. It's October 19th. It's election day here in Canada, so get out and vote after the show. Not during the show, but after the show. We've got a very exciting guest today. I love wines. I know a lot of you out there listening love wines too. This guy's a superstar in wine. Uh, he's, he's done so much in so little time. It's going to be a fun uh, talk with him today. His website, owenosity.com. you got to check it out. A lot of quizzes and good information on there. But... One thing that's really outstanding is he's the youngest certified wine educator out of about 400 in the world, and he hails from this part of the world, from Ontario. Very proud to say that. He's won the Banffy Award, a very distinguished uh, award that's uh, given to the person that gets the highest test score, and he'll talk more about that. Welcome, Jordan Cow. Thanks for having me on, Stephen. All right. Now, how did you... Let's start at the beginning. How did you get started in wine, and uh, what piqued your, what gave you so much interest? It's a strange kind of transition to the wine industry for me. Originally, when I first came out of high school, I was determined to go into a kind of career in academia. So I was determined to do either chemistry uh, or something along those lines, and so I entered. Uh, chemistry program at Brock University uh, straight out of high school and we're here in Niagara and when I started doing it I started realizing that as much as I love uh, science I love chemistry and that's kind of what pushed me that way in the wine industry um, I just wasn't enjoying what I was doing I was really hating uh, every moment that I was going to school and I figured you know if I'm doing this I'm hating school this much, how much am I really going to enjoy my job? Because I'm a very much people person. So as much as I love the science side, being you know, alone in a lab or alone with you know, numbers just wasn't exciting me. And uh, they have the enology program there, uh, so the wine science program at Brock University. Right on, yeah, and, right in Niagara. Uh, yes, yeah, in Niagara. Uh, and they... Uh, Seeing there were a few people in my program that were also taking that were taking that uh, like a few in my chemistry class and stuff like that, and it seemed like a really interesting program. And so that year, I actually originally applied to transfer to that program, but uh, because of you know this kind of perception there is, I guess, about hospitality and wine, especially with on like that academic side, and it's uh, a lot of, there's a lot of misinformation and stuff like that. So I reapplied, actually applied to chemical engineering because I thought I was going to be more interested in the chemistry. Uh, which it turned out it was even more math-oriented. 
uh, which I probably should have seen coming. Uh, <laughs> so after the second year there, I uh, decided to come back to Niagara and just dive into the wine industry because I knew it was really what I wanted to do. Uh, and uh, kind of haven't looked back since. Didn't end up doing the analogy program, but ended up kind of jumping over to the education marketing side of uh, the industry. So a bit of an about phase completely, you know, from science and academia to education and sales of alcohol. Uh, so it's definitely, it's, it's taken a few steps to get here. Now, you know, you say you got right into wines and you enjoy it so much. Is it the... I find when I learned about wines in the International Sommelier Guild, it's it's never ending, and it's uh, you learn about you know I I'm a bit of a traveler. I love to travel, and I I love all the different you know I love geography and school and history and stuff like that. You know what 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 is it that piques your interest about wines? Not just tasting them, but is it the different countries and et cetera? Well. For me, it's actually kind of funny. When I first got into the industry, I wasn't a wine drinker at all. Uh, that's kind of come with time. And it's one of these things that now I'll basically drink anything as long as it's relatively well made. But it's, uh, what piqued my interest about wine was the fact that, in a sense, there's a science to it. Uh, I mean, there's always a science to it. But if you take that too far, you kind of ruin it. And that was the kind of the neat thing about wine is, I was the, the kid going through school who, you know, had calculus in the morning and art and music in the afternoon. And so for me, I'd finally found like, this, this area where I hadn't even thought of it. I mean, when you're 18, graduating high school, you're not thinking about wine yet. And so what piqued my interest was the fact that, you know, there's all these cultural elements, all these artistic elements, as well as yes. all the science things happening. Absolutely. And so for me, I think the biggest one is the cultural side. You know, each culture is so different, uh, and so definitely, like, the, the wine regions and stuff like that and what everybody's doing is what really grabbed my attention. Yeah, and there's so many, you know, the organic part of it and everything else, uh, biodynamic uh, winemaking and uh, all these different terms as well. It's, it's never-ending. I, I just, there's a real thirst for anyone who wants to learn about wines. There's so much they could learn. It never ends. Well, I think that's what's intimidating for people is it does seem like there's so much information. And I think, I think it scares a lot of people away. Uh, actually, the, the, neat thing with, the neat thing with it, though, is it does leave an opening for people who do want to learn. Uh, you know, people who actually take the time to learn and understand it become at a bit of a premium because there's so much misinformation out there, and it's almost become accepted in the wine industry that somebody who will actually sit down and spend the time to truly understand certain aspects there's a there's a real area for those type of people. Now, for uh, for someone just starting out and you know, and wants to know uh, more about wine, how would you uh, how would you suggest they do it? I mean, the thing that I tell everybody, even I think uh, a lot of people in the industry and stuff don't do it enough, is get out of your comfort zone and just taste more things, taste things that you have no idea what they are. Uh, because, I mean, wine is one of these areas where you can learn by very well by making mistakes and making good choices along the way, even though they're complete accidents. Because, I mean, the worst thing that's ever going to happen is you might not like the bottle of wine that you purchased or the bottle of wine you're drinking. And that's not really a, an, an awful thing to begin with. I mean, you, it's a learning experience. Yes. And I think that's the best approach to take to start off is just, you know, so many people have the same bottle or the same couple of bottles that they, they buy over and over again. Whereas if you just kind of walk into, like here in Ontario, you walk into LCBO or elsewhere, you walk into just any wine store and just 
pick a random bottle and give it a try, see what you think. Like the, the bottle that seems the strangest and you recognize the least, uh, start going for those ones. I mean, that's probably the best way to start. I mean, when you taste something that you really enjoy, you're, you want to learn about it. You know, if you, if you really enjoyed something, your brain's going to go, okay, what, like, how can I find this again? And you're yes. kind, of, you're kind of driven to find information. And for instance, where you are, going to a winery might be a good idea as well. Yeah, it's a, a great way of uh, getting started in that. I mean, for people who are fortunate enough to live near a wine region or in a wine region, uh, that is probably one of the absolute best ways to get to experience, you know, a vast uh, variety of styles. I mean, certain places in the world, they really focus on a few things, but most of the New World wine regions, you know, they're producing half the varietals from the world and half the different styles that they can possibly be done in. So, I mean, just in eight hours in Niagara here, you could probably easily fit in 50 or 60 wines if you weren't driving. Uh, and, you know, and you were spitting and you weren't drinking 50 or 60 wines, so they're up there. But, you know, if you were spitting and you were going from winery to winery, you can fit in quite a few wines. You can find all these different styles and see, you know, what's happening. And also you have free education there. If you walk into the winery and they're more than happy to talk to you, especially if you go this time of year where it's, you know, empty in the wineries. Yes. Yes. All the uh, tours are over. Yeah, the tours are over. I mean, the wineries are still open. A lot of people seem to forget that. You know, they're indoors. People associate wine with the vineyards, but you're not usually in the vineyards much when you're visiting them. So, I mean, it's a great time of year to visit the wineries because the staff half the time have almost nothing to do. Uh, so you walk through the door and they're almost excited that the human in the building. Uh, never mind that they get to talk about wine. They're just excited for somebody to talk to in general. That's a good point. That's a, a really great point. Now, yeah, I mean, you also, this time of year, you also, I mean, half the time, once harvest is over, you'll walk in, especially if you pick the small wineries, there's a very good chance you'll walk through the doors and you'll have, you know, the owner or the winemaker standing behind the tasting bar. Yes. And that's very, you know, you get the, the inside scoop. Yeah, I mean, you can throw almost anything at the winemakers and they'll know what's going on, hopefully, at least. Absolutely. Now, uh, you, you've obviously traveled a fair bit, I'm sure. Uh, have you been, uh, what kind of country, what kind of countries, uh, what countries have you been to, like, you tried out different wines? You've been to a few? I mean, for me, as far as traveling, it's kind of funny for me in the wine industry. Uh, my focus has been really a bit different, Uh for me, because I come from a wine region where uh, we're having, I mean, we're gradually building our international presence and such, uh, but it's, it's happening slowly. I've gained a lot of respect for the really small developing wine regions. So my focus for travel uh, is completely backwards for most people. Is I travel to those kind of small, like for me, it's always been traveling to the small emerging wine regions in North America. Uh, so in Ontario, yes. you know, we have Niagara, we have Lake Erie, North Shore, we have Prince Edward County, uh, through the states, all the way through New York, there's a few wine regions, uh, all the way around lakes. Lake Erie, like, yeah, there's the Finger Lakes, around Lake Erie, there's a bunch of regions throughout, you know, Pennsylvania and Ohio, uh, down to Virginia, there's, uh, there's some amazing wineries down in Virginia that people don't even know exist. Uh, so it's really, for me, and my focus has always been finding those wineries that nobody knows exist. I, I mean, I'm a big lover of the road trip. And, you know, there's, you mentioned uh, the United States. Uh, I think there's 48 out of 50 states that actually grow wine, grow grapes yeah, I think to make 50, wine. Yeah, 50 are producing, and about 48 uh, are growing. I mean, yeah. Alaska for growing isn't friendly, but they can bring in grapes. And 
same with Hawaii, they're a bit tropical for growing most uh, things, but they'd probably produce there too. And so, I mean, there's so many things to find, and there's some really uh, unique items that are out there. For example, uh, in Virginia and uh, in parts of other areas of the States, there's a grape called Norton, uh, that it's a Native American varietal, uh, but well, it's probably a hybrid. They're not completely sure, but it's, uh, produces absolutely amazing wines. In the 1800s, it was winning awards at the World's Fairs and stuff like that, and then people forgot about it. And so wow. it's really cool to be able to go back and experience these things. And there's also huge historical uh, aspects to this. So, you know, uh, within Ontario, there's wineries that provide the original rootstocks uh, of the native varietals in, in Europe. Uh, down in Virginia, Thomas Jefferson's original vineyard is now producing again. People have replanted on that vineyard site. Wow. So it's, uh, there's some really cool things spread throughout these tiny wine regions. In the Finger Lakes, there's actually the very first bonded winery in North America. Uh, it wasn't the first winery, but this is the first official bonded winery uh, in the Finger Lakes. So they have a museum there. So wow. when you go to these small regions, there's some really cool stuff that you'd miss out on. Yeah, you don't have to take the airfare over to Europe and see the big Bordeaux wines. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of wineries around here to visit. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, that's, that's been my focus. I, I definitely uh, want to take the time to uh, get out there and uh, visit some of the other regions along the way. Uh, but so far, it's just I've really kind of focused on a very specific area of the industry. Okay. Now, what we're going to talk about on our next break, because we got a little bit of a break here going on for a couple of minutes. What I'd like to ask you is, uh, you know, different certifications. What do you suggest as different ways in which you could get certified as a sommelier or get your diploma and, uh, you know, what are the good ones out there? Maybe you could help us out with that. Yeah, definitely. All right, Jordan, we'll be back right after two minutes. We'll pause for this break coming up. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Do you love to travel? Do you love adventure so much that when you read about it, you cannot stop until you have finished? Most of all, though, do you like to read a memoir that is totally honest and doesn't cover up anything? The author just tells it like it is. Stephen Nicole's first book, You Only Live Once, will fulfill your wish. Whether you're thinking of a career in the hospitality industry or just want to read a personal, upfront, no-holes-barred memoir, this book will whet your appetite. Go to stephennicole.com to order your copy or email him directly for an autographed copy. That's Stephen Nicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E dot com. A life coach, Stephen Nicole can be contacted to help you get what you want in life. 17 years from the time he took a bartending course, Stephen traveled around working in the hospitality industry, moving up the ladder as he went along, tasting both the bitter and the sweet. Along the way, Stephen rode the ebb and flow from the vibrant 80s through the turbulent 90s. Stephen found what his heart was truly looking for to begin a new chapter in his life. For a free intake interview, you can mail Stephen directly to set up a time at ssnicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E, at rogers.com. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com.
You are listening to the Hospitality News Network. We'd love to hear from you with questions or comments about the show. Drop us a line at ssnicole at rogers.com. That's ssnicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E, at rogers.com. Now, back to the Hospitality News Network. We're back with Jordan Cowell, the youngest certified wine educator in the world out of about 400. Unbelievable. And you know his age is only 24, so that's pretty young to have that that uh, that distinction for sure. 24 years old, amazing. We're talking with Jordan Cowell. If you just joined us and want to catch the first part, or listen to a show in its entirety, you could always listen to any show archived on my host page 24-7 on the Hospitality Industry News Network. The shows are also available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Tuned In, as well as Google Play. Jordan, there's a lot of uh, courses out there where you know, you know, where you can get a certification. Give us an idea of what kind of courses are out there that you would recommend. Well, depending on what you're looking to get out of it, I suppose. I mean, as far as uh, the majorly recognized certifications these days, uh, essentially kind of for overarching wine certifications, there's about three major groups. Uh, there's Wine Spirits Education Trust uh, out of the UK. Uh, there's Court of Master Sommeliers uh, in the UK and the US, and both of them are international now. And then there's uh, uh, Society of Wine Educators, um, coming mainly out of the U.S., but they've been growing internationally as well. Um, and those, all three of them, I think what a lot of people don't realize, because you, know, you hear a lot of comparisons of the, like they try and compare, like, well, this is equivalent to that. And I think with all three organizations, they've done a really good job of focusing on distinct uh, areas of the industry. Uh, so, I mean, I've done my certified sommelier through the uh, Court of Masters, um, I haven't uh, done the Wine and Spirit Education Trust, but I've worked with tons of people who have done it. And then I've done the Certified Wine Educator and the Certified Specialist in Wine with the Society of Wine Educators. And what I've found along the way is really what you want to focus on or what area kind of interests you the most, they all have a similar theory. Uh, but with you know the Court of uh, Masters, they're focusing mainly on service. Uh, so even though sommelier has become a term, it seems just for general in general population, we use sommelier as kind of a wine expert. So you, there's sommeliers everywhere everywhere now. It seems um, I tend not to use that term because I, I don't work in service uh, at the moment. I work in education. Whereas with the Wine Spirit Education Trust, they've really focused in on I guess the trade side. And Society of Wine Educators, despite their name, their focus is wine education, but they've also been really heavily adopted by the trade uh, in the U.S. So a lot of the major distributors across the U.S. have taken kind of their approach uh, to things. So it really depends on what you're looking for. As far as specific courses, uh, I mean, most of the certifications, aside from Wine and Spirits Education Trust, are kind of self-study. Uh, the Wine and Spirits Education Trust, I think, is the program that you can go anywhere in the world and the quality will be relatively constant, which is what I do like about it. They, they set the curriculum. They set the answers. So you're studying information that uh, is accurate and is planned. And so as far as guided courses, like if you're the type of person who wants to sit down in a classroom and have somebody teach you, uh, I'd say that's the best approach. Whereas if you're the type of person like me personally where 
being a classroom is, is frustrating in a lot of cases. I like to kind of be on the go, so self-studying works really well. Uh, the Court of Masters and the Society of Educators, they offer, you know, they offer a very strictly outlined curriculum, so you know what you have to study, you know what you have to learn. Uh, if you're the type of person who has a get-go to you know, pick up the books, read them, and taste along on your own and kind of put your own tastings together, uh, it's one of these few industries where you can really pick and choose how you learn. You know, nobody's really worried about whether you sat down in a class for uh, six months or a year or a few years, as long as you can prove that you know what they want you to know. So it, it's kind of uh, unique, but I'd say for me personally, if you really wanted to sit down in a class, uh, the one that you could recommend like universally across the world now uh, would usually be uh, Lion Serious Education Trust. Uh, and that comes back to being a Lion Educator. My biggest frustration uh, with a lot of local wine courses and a lot of, you know, even college wine courses is if you don't keep up with the wine world, it moves so fast. And that's what a lot of people don't realize is the laws and regulations and styles change um, yearly. Uh, yes. And within 10 years, the information is completely irrelevant. And so a lot, of the, a lot of these courses, you know, they're taught by people who really know their stuff, but they haven't really updated what they know in, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. Yes. And so you end up with courses where the students are having to learn and then relearn again when they want to kind of go on from there. And that's why you run situations, you know, where you walk into a winery. And say, for example, you ask a question, you ain't get an answer. It's completely wrong. But when that person learned that answer, it was still right. Uh, and yes. so it's a, I like the approach that they take where they constantly update the curriculum. Same with the certifications. You know, they're constantly updating. That's where, awesome. you know, a, a, a local sommelier who teaches the course really probably knows how to taste. But you kind of have to feel it out, I think. Uh, so, it, but, I mean, there's tons of opportunities. I'd just say those are probably the three biggest organizations today. Uh, but, I mean, there's always other local ones who have, you know, uh, or regional ones that have uh, standards to live up to. Uh, so, I mean, you have uh, International Sommelier Guild, which you did, uh, which is still around, uh, not as present in Canada as they used to be. I, I don't know if they're as present in the U.S. as they used to be, but they're still around in the world, uh, especially uh, elsewhere in the world. Yes. Um, in Canada here, we have the Canadian Association of Professional Sommeliers who do a year-long course. Um, and then some of the universities who specialize in wine uh, and spirits, uh, you know, they have an enology program. Their instructors are going to be up to date. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's really kind of feeling things out, I think. And, you know, you mentioned, uh, you talk about the approach to learning about wine. Like, what's the best study method, like, you found that made you succeed? For me, I would say the best approach, because there's so many different uh, resources available in wine. I mean, wine's one of these industries where there's probably more books published than there are people to buy them. And so it's finding a resource that connects with you. And for me personally, uh, I found two resources that I used for basically all of my studying, and that was uh, with my membership, like, with your membership to the Society of Wine Educators, you get access to an online academy uh, for spirits and one for wine. And the way that's designed is it's using kind of, uh, kind of more modern uh, teaching theory where there's a test before you study to see what yes. you already know. Uh, partway through studying, they test you again. And at the end of studying, they test you uh, on what you've just learned. So it's kind of reinforcing the information. So that worked really well to get me up to speed. 
And then once I was there, I was kind of filling in the blanks. Uh, the Guild of Sommeliers uh, out of the U.S., they kind of started as an offshoot for a few master sommeliers uh, from the court. They've operated as, like a, as an educational uh, outlet. And they publish a website where there's uh, some really good articles and uh, they have what's called their compendium, where essentially it's an encyclopedia of everything you could possibly want to know about wine down to the, you know, the number of grams per liter of sugar allowed uh, or required in Sotown in France. So, I mean, there's all sorts wow. of random pieces of information <laughs> like that that they have. Uh, but, I mean, to just learn, it's almost, you know, I, I, I think wine's one of those industries where you're going to go through a few classes and you're going to go through a few books that just do not connect with you whatsoever. Yes. If you find the, the right class or the right book on the first try, you've hit the jackpot. I know what I found when I was uh, doing the International Sommelier Guild. There was I did a lot of reading, lots and lots of reading, and because you know there was, and then and then I tried the uh, different grapes, grape varietals, you know, taste testing and, and and doing all that like we did in class, and you know I thought I would really do bad on the uh, tasting, but in fact that was my best mark on the tasting. This multiple choice. Uh, we talk, we, you mentioned uh, the Banffy Award or, you know, the, the hard multiple choice that test that must have been. I think it's a multiple choice test, isn't it? Uh, there's a few sections. So on the Certified My Educator exam, there's, uh, there's a theory exam uh, that's divided up into multiple choice and then an essay. Uh, there's two tasting exams, so eight wines blind and then eight faulted wines blind. Uh, wow. And there's a teaching component. Uh, and so the Banffy Award is for passing all of those sections in one attempt uh, with the highest score. Uh, so it's a, it's a tricky one. Uh, there's about 12% of people that <laughs> pass that in one go. What was your uh, score? So, uh, across the sections, they don't give an overall average. Uh, they give you your average for each section. Uh, but, yes. uh, for example, on the essay, I believe I had, it was 14 out of 15. I think it was a, one of, like the second highest score that uh, had been given on that. So, I mean, that kind of, for most people, that's actually the trickiest. Uh, you'd think multiple choice would probably be the hardest, but the, the essay is what catches a lot of people off guard. But in, in a lot of situations, multiple choice is awful for a lot of people um, because it confuses them. And I think the biggest thing for success in exams with wine um, isn't necessarily having the most information crammed into your brain as possible. It's being the most confident with the information that you have. Uh, yes, the person true. with the most information might not always pass because test anxiety uh, is probably the biggest enemy to anyone uh, who has ever taken an exam. Uh, so for me, I'm very lucky in that I, I thrive off tests. I find them exciting. Yes. But that would probably be the biggest thing most people could focus on is really focusing on learning how to cope with test anxiety so they don't forget what they know. Um, and that's with wine, when you're dealing with so much information, it's so stressful uh, that people tend to forget what they know. Uh, I think that's what, what catches a lot of people. I think there's, a, there's the odd multiple choice question that uh, had some, uh, probably a grape variety somewhere in Italy that we went over that we went over like for about two minutes and it wasn't even in a book, I don't think. And that was the first question that could throw you off. <laughs> that will definitely throw you off I mean that's why for me the, the resource you pick is really important 
so I mean, like with the Society of Wine Educators, they have the online academy and they have a textbook uh, and all the information for their uh, certified uh, specialist of wines, their uh, first exam, is in those textbooks and they guarantee that. Like, you know, all the information is taken from uh, the Society of uh, Certified Specialist of Wine Study Guide. And so I like that approach, and that's one of the things with the organizations is they make the information that you'll need to know available ahead of time. Whereas the, and that's more of a recent change, whereas, you know, five, ten years ago, it was exactly like you said. You know, you have a question on the exam that was, you know, briefly glossed over verbally by your instructor, but it wasn't mentioned in a, you know, in a course outline. It wasn't mentioned in the official text, and you just, you're confused. Yes. Uh, so I think it's, it's really important as an industry. I think as a whole, we've kind of realized that we need to be a bit more transparent about what we do. Yes, for sure. But and, I you know... I, Go ahead. Oh, I, I think uh, in general, though, I, like that's one of the reasons why anybody studying for an exam, I definitely recommend uh, a membership to Guildtown because the resources that they have available there, there's quite literally, uh, aside from certain detailed information about unusual topics, which you could probably find in uh, the Oxford Companion uh, by Janice Robinson, but I mean, as far as any regional information that you could possibly want to know, it's in there. So no matter what exam you're studying for, if you're having a hard time finding it in the in the textbook or in, in the books you're reading, you just hop on the website, type it into the search bar, and it brings up basically everything you could want to know and then some. Uh, so that's really why I love about that website. All right. Well, we got to pause for a break, Craig. Uh, once again, our second break. I uh, want to talk a little bit about, you know, a cer- what a certified wine educator does or, or what you're what you're doing right now, your, your ex, experience te- teaching in front of a class and, and what you focus on the most, I guess. Maybe you've already talked about a little bit, but I'd like to get more into it for our listeners who would be interested in doing something like that. All right? Yeah, we can definitely do that. Okay, we'll be back after this two-minute break. We'll see you on the other end. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Do you love to travel? Do you love adventure so much that when you read about it, you cannot stop until you have finished? Most of all, though, do you like to read a memoir that is totally honest and doesn't cover up anything? The author just tells it like it is. Stephen Nicole's first book, You Only Live Once, will fulfill your wish. Whether you're thinking of a career in the hospitality industry or just want to read a personal, upfront, no-holes-barred memoir, this book will whet your appetite. Go to stephennicole.com to order your copy or email him directly for an autographed copy. That's Stephen Nicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E dot com. A life coach, Stephen Nicole can be contacted to help you get what you want in life. 17 years from the time he took a bartending course, Stephen traveled around working in the hospitality industry, moving up the ladder as he went along, tasting both the bitter and the sweet. Along the way, Stephen rode the ebb and flow from the vibrant 80s through the turbulent 90s. Stephen found what his heart was truly looking for to begin a new chapter in his life. For a free intake interview, you can mail Stephen directly to set up a time at ssnicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E, at rogers.com. Have you found the beauty inside of you? 
Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to the Hospitality News Network. We'd love to hear from you with questions or comments about the show. Drop us a line at ssnicole at rogers.com. That's ssnicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E, at rogers.com. Now, back to the Hospitality News Network. Welcome back. We're speaking with Jordan Cal, the youngest certified wine educator in the world today. There's about 400 worldwide. A very exciting show. If you've missed the first half, you could always catch it on my webpage, host page, and it's archived 24-7. The show will be up in a couple hours after it's finished, and you'll be able to listen to its entirety and any other shows you might have missed in the past, as well as being available on iTunes, Google Play. Uh, even you could upload it on Kindle if you want, and Stitcher and Tuned In. Jordan, we talk about uh, Certified Wine Educator. What exactly... How 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 do you do the class? That's I guess what I like to know. Uh, well, I mean, the certified wine educator itself is completely certification based, uh, and it's something that I think you kind of have to. You have to with education. You have to know what you're doing. You have to learn how to teach, uh, but it's something I think you really have to do. Uh, to learn it properly. I think that's one of the benefits of doing it in, in a certification way. And so for me, I, I mean, part I, why you asked uh, what I could recommend about learning, uh, one of the things I left out, and really what kind of drove me uh, to where I am today, in addition to a few other things, is uh, I started a, a tasting group, actually, while I was in uh, one of my courses, and that's continued on for at least uh, two and a half, almost three years. And what I started doing with that is, you know, guiding the tasting group uh, and then, you know, kind of making sure I stay a step ahead of everybody else and kind of teaching as I went along. And it's one of these things of, uh, you know, through trial and error there, through tastings and all those uh, things, you kind of teach each other. Uh, And that's really what worked best for me. I mean, uh, that way you have, you kind of learn to teach before you're actually teaching. Uh, and I think that's important because, you know, if you throw a, a rookie teacher up in front of a class full of people, you never really know what's going to happen. Yes. Uh, and so it's, uh, the, the approach that they take is, is pretty unique. Uh, it usually takes people quite a few years to kind of get that experience there uh, that they need because a lot of people kind of don't think outside the box uh, in, the, in terms of, you know, pulling in other opportunities. If, you know, they're just trying to get enough experience to get into a classroom and teach that way, whereas you can find all sorts of uh, opportunities to teach people. Uh, once you know more than somebody else, you can then start teaching them. Uh, and so it's kind of one of those things of always finding those opportunities. 
Now, I know I mentioned, I mentioned during the break, we were talking about it. Uh, when I was learning, uh, I was in the International Psalmody Guild, the teacher was very fascinating because he'd always have a story uh, with the particular region or, or grape or, or the history of, the, of, the, you know, of that area. And I found it easy, easier to remember a lot of this, this stuff because, it, you know, it was able to relate one with the other. That's important, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, wine is, as much as wine is a mixture of areas, I mean, like wine's geography, wine's law, wine's science, all at once, the only thing that you can never separate wine from, I mean, you, you can have wines without law, you can have wines made from places across the world, you can have all sorts of stuff. You can never separate the people that made that wine from it. Uh, and if you know what the people are like and you know how they behave, you know what they're, what, you know what the culture is like, you can almost guess your way uh, through any wine. You know, if you, if you know what's going through people's mind when something's being made, you can guess as to how they would do it. And so, you know, those silly little anecdotes that in most fields are kind of getting in the way, in wine they're really useful. Uh, there's actually a book uh, out, I'm trying to think of the author, it's, uh, it's called The Curious World of Wine. Uh, so essentially, it's a book, it's about 230 pages, 200 pages, done by time period and region. Uh, so there's all the way from ancient history to modern times, uh, New World and Old World, uh, where they just go through it, it's page after page of story and kind of little anecdotes and jokes and stuff about wine. Uh, so these kind of stories and mythologies have formed in these cultures. Uh, not all of them are true, not even... Some of them aren't even remotely true, uh, but there are things that people thought were true at one time. Uh, and I think that's as important as what's completely true. So, you know, even though we're constantly, for example, with champagne and sparkling wine, we're const- our view of what actually happened and how it was developed and where it was developed, it turns out it probably wasn't in champagne, uh, is constantly changing. But for hundreds of years, we thought it was, uh, you know, people used to tell a story of being uh, developed uh, in Champagne, uh, by the monks there and by Dom Pamignon in, in particular. Uh, and so it's one of these things of, even though that's not necessarily known to be true anymore, it's important because it has influenced hundreds of years of wine. Yes. And I, mean, I think no- that's a, a unique thing about wine is, you know, sometimes the truth is flexible. Absolutely. And, you know, the Romans, when they conquered, you know, all of Europe and stuff like that, they brought the vines with them. And, you know, with just the the Greeks, it was amazing. Uh, you know, I mean, like, wine has basically followed civilization. The only other product that has that distinction is beer. Uh, you know, between beer and wine, they have been there since the very beginning. They, from the very first you know, agrarian societies, you know, five, 10,000 years ago, uh, we're constantly finding older and older evidence of, you know, wine and beer production. Uh, you know, from these very first societies, they were what kind of followed, they were the only common denominator. Uh, you know, every single early society had a fermented beverage. And so essentially, the, it's kind of cool that, you know, throughout time, alcohol in a sense, like fermented beverages, because they can't really spoil. They just That's they right. stay as they are. They've followed 
society as it has developed. So from our earliest ancestors who started planting crops deliberately instead of being hunter-gatherers, all the way to today, we've really had this as a constant tie back to our ancestors. And it's a, it's a really unique area. I mean, a lot of people don't realize that the grape isn't really even probably native to Europe. Uh, so even though it's grown across Europe, it's more native to the Caucasus uh, area, uh, Eastern Europe, Northwestern Asia. Uh, and so there's a very good chance that the grape may have originated in Asia, uh, which is, may, would make yes. sense because there's more species of grape in Asia and North America than there is anywhere else in the world. Uh, so, yes. I mean, it's a really unique kind of history to what's happened with wine. Uh, and it's kind of funny that, you know, wine ended up becoming most popular in the place that had no native grapevines originally. Uh, it's just one of those random little things that happens. And so, I mean, there are little details that they really tell you a lot about the product. And it's such an exciting time to be in the, you know, be interested in wines and become a, a wine educator or a sommelier or take a course. Because I remember when I got started like 30 years ago, 35 years ago, it had German Riesling in our fridge, and that was it. Yeah, you know, I mean, in North America especially, I mean, even in Europe, uh, in Europe even to this day, but it's changing slowly, uh, people drank what was local to them, and they barely even knew that, you know, a wine from 30 kilometers away existed. Uh, you know, there was people in Burgundy who had never had a wine from Bordeaux. Uh, probably to this day, there's still most of them. But... It was the same in North America. You know, each region kind of had their cultural uh, ties. So, I mean, in Ontario, we have, a, especially in the rural areas of Ontario, there's a lot of Germans, uh, and later there were Italians and British and French, but early on there was a lot of Germans, same with a lot of the northeastern United States. Uh, and further on the East Coast, there was you know, a lot of British ancestry. Um, out West, there was a lot of Italians. And so, I mean, each area kind of had these wines that it was drawn to. And we just kind of, like our ancestors did back in Europe, we just stuck to drinking what everybody always did. And so it's kind of cool now that, you know, it's, we know what's being grown, uh, for one. Uh, you know, up until, you know, 20 years ago, half the region of the world just kind of guessed at what they were growing in their yes. vineyard. Uh, and so it's kind of cool that we live in an era where we can actually find out the information and we can know about all these other things going on in the world. Uh, information is you now easily disseminated now. Absolutely, with the internet and all that, I mean, it's it's fantastic. It's unbelievable. You could get wine reviews and everything as you need them. Yeah, I mean, the only, I guess, the dangerous side of it is uh, sometimes we become too focused on the details. Of, you know, you have people, we've gotten so much information now that we, you know, once upon a time, uh, nobody knew that Burgundy, well, I mean, people in Burgundy and winemakers did, but your average person didn't know that white Burgundy was Chardonnay or usually Chardonnay yes. at that time. Uh, they didn't know, you know, that Bordeaux was Cab Sauve, Merlot, Cab Franc, and a few other things uh, blended. You know, they didn't know these things, so they just no. drank it. Uh, whereas now we're getting so much information that you have people saying, oh, no, I don't drink Merlot, so I'm not touching that, without realizing yeah. that if you take a Merlot from Washington, Merlot from California, one from Chile, one from Australia, one from Ontario, and one from Bordeaux, they're going to taste like six wines that have very little in common. Yes. Uh, so I think sometimes we run the risk of too much information uh, these days, and I think we have to dial that back a little bit. You know, stop focusing on the details so much and just enjoy it. A very good point indeed. We're going to stop for our last break. we got two minutes. I want you to, when we come back, talk a little bit about your website 
And, uh, you know, that's owenosity.com. I wanted to, you to uh, mention uh, what's on that and what people can get from that. All right, yeah, absolutely. All right, we'll see you at the other end of two minutes. Stay tuned. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Do you love to travel? Do you love adventure so much that when you read about it, you cannot stop until you have finished? Most of all, though, do you like to read a memoir that is totally honest and doesn't cover up anything? The author just tells it like it is. Stephen Nicole's first book, You Only Live Once, will fulfill your wish. Whether you're thinking of a career in the hospitality industry or just want to read a personal, upfront, no-holes-barred memoir, this book will whet your appetite. Go to stephennicole.com to order your copy or email him directly for an autographed copy. That's stephennicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E dot com. A life coach, Stephen Nicole can be contacted to help you get what you want in life. 17 years from the time he took a bartending course, Stephen traveled around working in the hospitality industry, moving up the ladder as he went along, tasting both the bitter and the sweet. Along the way, Stephen rode the ebb and flow from the vibrant 80s to the turbulent 90s. Stephen found what his heart was truly looking for to begin a new chapter in his life. For a free intake interview, you can mail Stephen directly to set up a time at ssnicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E, at rogers.com. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Beth Green and James Maynard, Inner Revolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to the Hospitality News Network. We'd love to hear from you with questions or comments about the show. Drop us a line at ssnicole at rogers.com. That's ssnicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E, at rogers.com. Now, back to the Hospitality News Network. Welcome back, everyone, to the Hospitality Street News Network. We're speaking with Jordan Cow. Jordan, I'd like you to talk a little bit about your website, onosity.com, and what people can get from that. Yeah, so uh, Anosity basically started out as uh, an extension of my education endeavors. So what is actually being developed there? I mean, uh, publicly what I do is I post uh, any webinars that I do, so the Society of White Educators, uh, any seminars that I do, uh, I post the, the slides to those. I mean, you can access the information of things that I've, I've talked about. Obviously, it's a bit different than when the person's talking because I do a very visual approach to my uh, slides. But it's still useful information that people can access. Uh, I've also used it um, to post quizzes and uh, things like that uh, for people who are studying for exams. I have a very rigorous approach to my studying, uh, so they're almost painful quizzes. But you know, you can even 
remotely pass them, you can probably pass uh, the exam you're studying for. Um, and then also, uh, so some various, you know, uh, infographics and stuff like that. But uh, the actual website itself is based on a e-learning framework. So what is being going on behind the scenes right now um, is actually uh, an online learning platform. Uh, is something I've been working on. Uh, obviously, it takes time to develop, so it's want to get it all in place. Uh, but essentially, so a, a way of being able to go online and learn casually about wine, uh, about various regions and things like that. So it's kind of a, a learning tool. And so that's why I have access to the tools to post the quizzes and stuff like that. Uh, and I just enable those when I need to. But in the background, it's actually kind of being developed a full educational platform. Wow. I love that. I love the quizzes. You know, I'm going to uh, sign up and you got to become a member. You got to log in and sign in, right? Yeah, I've designed it uh, with a community-based approach. Uh, so, I mean, there are community functions. There's uh, things that I haven't turned on yet because it's not all functional. Uh, so, like, uh, a few gamification elements. So, essentially, you know, you can win badges and points, and uh, there's a leaderboard on the quiz and stuff like that, so you can compete oh, wow. against your friends for high scores and stuff like that. Uh, so, I mean, it's just kind of taking a very different approach to it, and that's why the, the membership, you know, it, it, there's no charge to register. Uh, you just register and sign in, but it's just that I can to allow for those kind of fun competitive elements uh, on the website to you know give people a challenge, you know, compete against your friends, compete against myself, and things like that. Yeah, because you know I you know it's great to learn like that because you know even on the Wine Spectator they have uh, learn about wine and they have what am I tasting or a wine quiz every other week and I love doing those. Yeah, I mean they're they're a lot of fun and you know when you. If you're just picking up a book and reading through information and stuff like that, it, it's, it's all great and everything, but sometimes you need a, something to push you to study. You know, like yes. making a challenge to yourself or to your friends. So, like, for me, my goal was absolutely to become the youngest uh, wine educator, uh, and there were a few other along the way, but, I mean, it's just seeing my make it there. Uh, but that was absolutely one of my goals, and so that was my challenge of, how can, how can I come up with a way of getting this done within the time frame I've given myself, which was probably unrealistic. But, I mean, at the same time, even just for casual studying, you know, if you make it a game between you and a friend, you can kind of boast to each other. Like, you know, you get, you get one up on them, so all of a sudden they're pushed to study more and kind of catch up to you and pass you so they can come back to you the next week and say, hi, I beat your score, and then, you know, yeah. you're, you're challenging each other. You have a leaderboard uh, on there. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's a real, I think that's probably one of the, the key things for me and what helped me. And so I kind of wanted to make a, a platform to make that possible for people. I know as well, another thing, I, I guess, you know, for learning about wine and, you know, going to as many wine tastings. And th- there's an amazing uh, amount of wine tastings being held every week in the city, it seems. Yeah, I mean, if you live near a big city, there's... Not so much through the summer. I mean, a lot of the, the, the trade shows stop in the summer, but, you know, in the summer there's some stuff. But, you know, from October through till May, there's usually something happening every week. Either if you're near a major city, I mean, Toronto gets quite a few, but, you know, New York and Washington, D.C., uh, they get an absolute ton. Chicago as well. Uh, a few of the cities out on the West Coast do as well, like Seattle, Portland, uh, San Francisco. Um, they get quite a few. And, you know, there's, there's always these opportunities to learn. And, there's a real great community in wine. Uh, you know, there's competition among each other, but even competitors tend to be friends, which is kind of a cool thing about this industry. So what are your plans for the future? Just in a brief uh, few sentences. 
Realistically, I want to continue teaching uh, and kind of grow that. Uh, Anosity is definitely uh, finishing that, getting that program out there is uh, definitely a priority. And then just growing my speaking. I, I mean, one of the things I thrive off of is the opportunity to speak in front of people. Uh, so developing that kind of side of things is also a, a huge priority for me. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe starting a vi- vineyard in the future? Um, perhaps in the future for me personally, I, I love teaching about wine more than the stress of growing and making wine. Uh, you know, I, I've always told people, uh, the worst thing I can do as a wine educator or a sommelier is give somebody a wine they don't like. Nothing bad happens there. The worst thing a winemaker can do involves multi-million dollars worth of losses to the company. Uh, so it's a lot less stress on my end of, the, of, of things. Uh, but Obviously, making wine is a lot of fun and maybe a, a virtual wine label at some point. But as far as uh, the actual risk of having a winery or a vineyard, uh, I, I think I enjoy the fun side of it a bit more. There's, it's a lot of gratification teaching others about wine, isn't it? Uh, there's, you know, getting to see that aha moment in somebody's eyes, getting to see somebody experience something they've never had before, um, it's, it's a real joy. Uh, you know, it's, uh, surprising people is always fun. Uh, I think that's what you miss out on. Uh, when you're away from them. I think that would make it really hard to leave education at this point would be to lose out on those really, I guess, like you said, like those gratifying moments of seeing somebody really happy and excited about experiencing something for the first time. Oh, absolutely. I I taught a little bit about, I taught some bartending. It was the same sort of thing, you know, like you make a drink and they try it and they love it. I mean, it's different from wine, obviously, but, you know, it's very gratifying. Well, I mean, bartending mixology and spirits, they're, Right online now. That's right. And you know what? Uh, there's even, like I say, there's beer uh, beer credentials and certificates you can get nowadays as well. It's it's opening up a whole new opportunity for people out there. Yeah, the whole realm of careers. You know, once upon a time, the wine industry was really the, the serious industry where there was careers and stuff. And there was people who worked in beer and in spirits, but they weren't taken as seriously. Whereas now, you know, there's certified spirits educators, there's certified Cicerones and Master Cicerones. Uh, who are beer sommeliers. So it's, you know, depending on what you enjoy, there's always something out there. Jordan, it's been a real pleasure talking with you today. Yeah, it's been great talking to you too. Thanks for having me on. The youngest certified wine educator, one of of about 400 worldwide. That's amazing. And uh, your website, oenocity.com. Very easy to remember because oenology is the study of wine. So... Uh, Owenosity.com. Check it out. Try the quizzes. Sign up. Become a member. And uh, all the best in the future. Thank you. You too. All right. This is Stephen Nicole, the Hospitality Industry News Network. It's been a great show today. If you miss or you want to listen to it again, all the shows, including this one, are archived on my webpage, on my host page, on voiceamerica.com, Variety variety channel they're archived 24 7 you could send them out to your friends have them have a listen to it really great information today on how how to become a certified wine educator and just learn about wine jordan has all the answers what's your email jordan uh it's actually jordan at anosity.com there you go so it's easy to remember if you missed the show, once again, it's available on iTunes, Stitcher, Tuned In, Google Play. You could upload it on Kindle. 
And it's on my webpage, once again, voiceamerica.com, Variety Channel, the Hospitality Industry News Network. It's been a great show. Look forward to our guest next week. If you're in Canada, don't forget to vote. And Jordan, all the best. Thank you for tuning in to the Hospitality News Network this week. Please join your host, Stephen Nicole, next Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.